Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KateSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gibby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC 297 is here, live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and we could not be more pumped to break this one down for you guys today. Kicking off the show this week is Malcolm Gordon is joining the show, and after that we'll be breaking down title fight and some other of our favorite fights as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We'll also give you an underdog and a parlay to make your wallet fat, and we're closing out the show with the Canadians who will be fighting this weekend as well, and Marc-Andre Barrio will be joining the show. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage of 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me today is Malcolm Gordon, who fights Jimmy Click at UFC 289. That fight is on January 20th. So, Malcolm, I wanted to start here. You know, it's been 10 months since we've gotten to see you fight, 10 months since you've been in the cage. What has that time been like for you? You know, I know some people love that time for a chance to improve. Some people hate it because they want to, you know, prove what they've done. How's it been for you? Um, it's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of improvements have been going into this last 10 months, to be honest. It's been... Um... Yeah, just a, a lot of improvements. Um, I just haven't had the, the best showing that I, I that I know I've been capable of. I was super injured. I try to stay active, you know what I mean, with three fights a year minimum. And so, you know, obviously that takes a toll on your body. But yeah, a lot of a lot of um, like little things trying to get worked it through. You know what I mean? We're talking like the coaching, the 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 um, the change in uh, training regimens and whatnot. Um, everything that's gonna make me like the high level, um, you know, to the next level of UFC and, and start getting some wins and start this, get get rid of this losing streak, but start stringing some winning streaks back together, like like I'm, I'm good for. So yeah. So so let's talk about a couple of those changes because obviously you've probably done a lot. Of, you know, I've noticed some different training partners in your your corner. You know, I've seen Bibi Fernandez is up there working out with you sometimes, and you know all kinds of you know good stuff like that. Is there one or two things that you can sort of like highlight for us that has been, you know, like one of the bigger changes or one of the more helpful changes? Uh, I think it's just like in Canada, I, everybody, I try to keep my my training camps local first and foremost, right? As a Canadian athlete, I take a huge amount of pride in, in, in training with all of the top teams in Canada, 
Because at the end of the day, that's the flag that's going to be on my shorts, on my shirt, and whatnot, right? So I don't really see it as, you know, um, well, obviously, I don't, I don't see any rivalry amongst any of the gyms throughout this entire country. So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to cross-train with um, some guys out of Vancouver, um, Dennis Kang's gym um, at Pinnacle MMA. Um, and, yeah, I did some work with Biblana Fernandez while I was down there as well. Um, WKX kickboxing with uh, Coach Jay striking, which has probably some of the best, the highest level striking um, in Canada. I feel like, you know, him and Bazooka Joe are well up there for top striking coaches in the country. Um, uh, Adrenaline Training Center with uh, Mark Hominick, those guys, Team Tompkins, obviously. So I've been bouncing all around, um, which it was nice. It's a little, it's a little bit of a toll with the uh, traveling. But um, yeah, it, it was it was time, and it was also in the point in my career where it was like you gotta do these things. Um, you need I needed higher level bodies to push me through all training camps to get those um, higher level reps in. Um, so it's not such a, a, a shock and whatnot when you're in the cage. And then this is what I gotta do. This is my job, right? Fighting at the highest level. I need high level bodies and partners in the in the gym. Um, so yeah, that was a, it was a, it was an important factor to start going to some of these bigger camps. Um, Bibliano Fernandez is absolutely incredible grappling. Everybody knows my strength in grappling. Um, so, and it's just very well complemented with a champion like Bibliano, um, to help and mentor me, um, in some of the ways that he was doing it as well, which is, it works, you know what I mean? Really good. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now you, you mentioned that being part of your training camp, is that something you've been doing, over that 10 month period, or has that been more focused as of late? And maybe you, you know, we're doing some recovery and some other stuff towards the beginning. No, at first it was a lot of recovery. And then, um, and then it was uh, also training, like cross training back and forth and traveling for the last uh, 10 months all over the place. Um, you know me, I'm not really so like, I'm not really active on social media when I really, it's not really my thing to be posting where I am and what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I know, but either way, yeah, it was something that was added in um, this camp and probably moving forward in all honesty, right? Because, um, yeah, just to get it all done in one hub is really, really hard. And I feel like as a Canadian athlete, if you're not going to go to some of those bigger camps, and they and they come with their obvious pros and cons too, going with the bigger camps, the Jacksons and the, um, the uh, American top teams and stuff like that, they, they, they come with their cons as well too. You're almost just a, another body in the room. But when you kind of spread yourself out to some of the local high-level talent across the country, um, you know, you end up getting some good work in because there's not as many room bodies in the room. You get the high-level athlete that you're looking to work with. And um, yeah, as long as you keep a good rapport with them, you're respectful and you represent them and you pay your dues and you know what I mean? Everybody pays for heat. Then yeah, you're, you're, you're good. Right. So yeah, it's, um, it's something that's really helped really added and it's, it was much needed for me. Right. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, you know, you mentioned a couple of times in there getting back to your winning ways. You are on a two fight losing streak. And sometimes that comes with some added pressure heading into the cage. Do you feel that coming ahead of January 20th? Some added pressure to sort of, you know, show what you are capable of doing? Every single fight is the biggest fight of your life, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, there's always going to be you're only as good as your last fight. And if I was on a two fight winning streak, it would be the same pressure to continue that, right? So that being said, though, I do feel like my contract is 100% on the line on this one. So there's a little bit of pressure in that. I'm not trying to think about that, though. But um, it, it's, it's, it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, this is a do or die fight, 100%. I feel like Jimmy Flick has kind of, you know, he's, he's stepped away from the sport. He came back for whichever reasons. 
And uh, I think it's just time to show them the door in all honesty. Um, so that being said, it's, it's, that's, that's where I feel about that. Um, he's a little bit more out the door than I am. I still have a lot of fight left in me, unfortunately. And the thing is like, you know, two fight losing streak, but we have to look at uh, also into like the opponents that I had also taken on. Um, you know, Muhammad Mokev, one of the best flyweights, he's going to be title contender by the end of this year, a hundred percent. Um, you know, anybody that I've lost to in the top 10 right now, in all honesty, they're, they're, they're top five, top five even. Um, so, and then just a little mulligan with the last one, you know what I mean? I was coming in with an injury. I truly had never thought that I'd ever fight in the O2 arena ever. And, uh, you know, so obviously puffed it out, tried to stick it through. Injury was getting in the way of the weight cut, tried my best. And then I'm uh, whether they found out or it was just the luck of the draw, taking the two shots right to where the injury was um and mind you perfect southpaw uh left uppercut to the body countered my right hand like you know what i mean i can't even be mad about those types of shit because those things just happen in all honesty but what matters most is how we come back from it and that's why preparation has been at the highest point the highest um you know just as the highest priority making making sure that we're 100 percent ready we're 100 percent healthy and we're we're willing to die in there on on uh, January twentieth, as well as put on one of the greatest shows or one of the you know we're starting off the night, so starting off the night with a bang because uh, you know what truthfully too like both of us could go in there and do a, a three round decision and it could be a boring fight and they just say all right fuck both of you guys let's get out of here so um it's definitely one of those it's not even just good enough to win on this one like I need to finish and I need it to be I need it to be um like I need it to be a statement almost right. So that's what we're going for. I love that. Now, I want to talk about that fight with Jimmy Flick in a second, but you mentioned Mohamed Mulkayev, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about that fight because, you know, you mentioned he's probably a title challenger in 2024, right? He's nipping at the heels yeah. of a lot of those guys. You had his back. You had damn near a choke in, you know, in that fight. You know, we're talking about you probably being the closest guy in the UFC to having beat him. What is it then like seeing him do this, seeing him go on this incredible run? Is it vindicating for you? Is it hard to see knowing how close you were to beating him? Like, how does it feel yeah, in retrospect? Sure. In, in my mind, in my mind, it was that was the fight for me to win. And uh, also that would have been that should have been how it should have played out for me. But, you know, like once again, I, I had a broken hand. So going into that, so it, it's like now is the time to be smart about these things. We can't take these like short notice. We can't take these, anything on injuries. I hate to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like every fucking, every, every camp, there's a guy that pulls out four weeks out. I don't like doing that. I like to stick through the contract all the way to the end, but I feel like a lot of these guys are playing those games. And if those are the games that you got to play, then that's what you got to play these days because yeah, every fight, I guess truly really matters. And, um, but yeah, coming that close to uh, beating him for sure. I mean, it just shows to the, to everybody else that I can hang with anybody in the world and all honesty, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, but it also showed a few things like in coaching staff is and, and coaching wise um, where we needed the holes. And, and, and you got to like, I took away a lot from that fight a lot, even with the loss um, that like we needed to shake things up and we need, I need to start really focusing in on this career and making sure we have everybody that needs to be a part of the team on the team. I love it. And the first step on that is this UFC 289 Absolutely. fight. And, you know, not for anything, pay-per-view card, 
in Canada. You know, you mentioned carrying Canada on your back, cross-training at all these Canadian gyms. Now you're getting to perform in Canada for that fight. How wild was it or how happy were you when you heard that this fight, you know, was going to be in Canada and that's where they wanted to book you next? Yeah, I was stoked. It was, um, I remember I, I found about, found out about this well, 12 weeks in advance. I think I, I found out probably, I think the same night as the your first card that was uh, in Vancouver uh, that night. And uh, I was talking to my manager and I was like, yo, Danny, like, we, can we, can we, can I get on that next Canadian card? And he's like, yeah, but don't expect any easy fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, they're not going to be nice to the Canadians this time. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, and I was like, yeah, sign me up. Let's go. Um, yeah, it's it's um, huge pride, huge on my back, uh, absolute accomplishment from where I started to to where it is now, and um, yeah, this is this is huge. I mean, a lot of my teammates, um, Hominic, Mark Hominic, my 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 coach mentor, fought just down the street there at the Air Canada Center against Jose Aldo. Um, you know, didn't wasn't able to make it happen. Um, another one of my coaches fought, uh, um, same, same spot. Warren, I wasn't able to make it happen. So I'm going to be the first one out of the entire team Tompkins roster to make it happen in Toronto at the Air Canada Center or at the Sculpture Bank. I love that. I love that. Now you're fighting Jimmy Flick. You mentioned kind of had a foot out his door. You want to show him the door, but I want to talk about the matchup stylistically. He's a dude who loves to tangle on the ground, right? That seems like the only thing he really, truly loves to do in the MMA world. And you're a guy who, you know, you've gone to the ground with some of the best in the division. You know, you mentioned, you know, Mokayev, but he's not the only one. You've tangled with tons of good guys on the ground. Do you see it playing out on the ground in, in that way because you know you can tangle with him? Or is this one where you have such a clear advantage otherwise? I saw it. So interesting. Uh, it's uh, the the thought process has run through my head a million times. Um, I mean, he's in the UFC for a reason, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely don't think anybody's game plan would be to go to the ground with me off the first bat. But if that's all that he has, that's what he's gonna do. Then we're gonna meet. We're gonna, you know, she's gonna find out. Um, it's not as easy as it may seem in some fights in some instances. Um, I'm, we're talking, I'm a huge flyweight. Uh, I cut a lot of weight to make this division and I put on a lot of muscle in the off season. So, I mean, it's a huge advantage come fight day. Um, and, and not only on top of that, but I have cardio for six months, right? Like it's grappling is in my blood, right? Like it's grappling is it's what I do. So, yeah, I mean, if that's the game plan for him, it's going to be a, a welcomed uh, night for him. Absolutely, for sure. All right. So I usually like to end these things with a prediction then. UFC 289, how do you see this ending January 20th? Oh, I'm, I'm seeing it finished uh, either the first or the second round TKO. I love it. And you heard it here first, folks. This has been Malcolm Gordon, who fights Jim Flick at UFC 289. Once again, that fight. January 20th. Malcolm, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cuzzy. Take care. We'll see you at the fights. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. I, once again, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. This past weekend, UFC Vegas 84, Magomed Ankaliyev picks up a big second round knockout victory over Johnny Walker. Seems like he is probably on a very short list for contenders for Alex Pajeda's light heavyweight title. What chances do you give him against the current 
205 chance? Um, I don't like his chances. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to like release my odds on it. Maybe he's a plus 300, I would think. Um, I just don't find him to be as dynamic uh, as Peeta. I think Peeta's striking is worlds above. And, you know, Johnny Walker's chin is a little questionable to begin with. So I'm not going to get too worked up over this weekend's results. But, you know, I, I think uh, it's not... It's not like such a mismatch that it shouldn't happen. It's just not one that compels me to think he's the guy that's going to beat Pajeda. How about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think the odds will probably be listed closer, but some of that to me is they see the last name Ankalaev and just assume he's some sort of like beast mode wrestler, right? And like, I, I mean, maybe he shot one takedown against Johnny Walker. I can't even necessarily remember. He just doesn't weaponize that wrestling enough. And in the cases we've seen, it hasn't looked necessarily all that dominant. So like that's a flag in the first place. And then second of all, really the only chances he had to hurt Johnny Walker in this fight were ones where Johnny Walker badly messed up, you know, a spinning back fist that didn't work overextending himself on a hook, you know, like stuff like that. Payna doesn't make those kinds of mistakes, right? Like you kind of have to create your own opportunities against Alex Payna. I just don't think Magomed Ankalaev is the type of guy who sort of goes out there and like forces the issue from a striker and he doesn't grapple enough for like, you know, for him to say like, Oh, he's the right kind of guy to beat a striker with a, a different game plan. So yeah, I, I heavily favor uh Peta. I bet you the odds are a little closer, like I said, because of the, you know, a little bit of a Russian bump there, but uh, yeah, no, I'd be all in on Peta here. Yep. I'm with you completely. Well, I'll tell you what I'm all in on and it's fights, dogs, and parlays for a big title fight this weekend. So let's break out our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, and parlays for UFC 297 from Toronto. But before we get into it, Gumby, I'm curious, does anyone sponsor this? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlay is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. And it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. All right. What an interesting main event. Um, we have Sean Strickland as a minus 135 favorite and Drickus Duplessis, a plus 115 challenger for the middleweight title. Strickland is one of the weaker champions, in my opinion. I'm actually shocked we're in the Sean Strickland era, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> but he's on a three-fight win streak, and he did get a unanimous decision victory over Israel Adesanya to win the middleweight title back in September. Um, he, you'd have to go back to, he lost two in a row, got knocked out by Alex Pajeda and lost a split decision loss to Jared Cannonier back in 2022, but came back, reeled off two wins, then won the title. So three fight win streak here. He finds himself the slight favorite to DDP. The South African fighter is undefeated in the UFC. And other than a decision win over Brad Tavares, he's either, uh, TKO'd, KO'd his, all his opponents and he face cranked got a submission win over Darren Till. So he's been very impressive in his six UFC fights, undefeated, a performance of the night, uh, two performance of the nights, a fight of the night against Darren Till. And uh, frankly, I'm actually a little surprised he's the underdog here. That's how strong he's looked. Who you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm going with Duplitis. I, I think the big thing for me here is 
first of all, the, the way Sean Strickland lost to Jared Cannonier obviously causes a lot of concern because in that fight, he landed more punches than Jared Cannonier. He was always the more active of the one, the two, but he lost that decision based on the fact that the power was coming the other way. And, you know, here in MMA, we, we score fights based on the impact of strikes and who's doing more damage. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the fact that Drake is duplices when he hits you, it looks like he hits you. Whereas, you know, with the exception of that one where Sean Strickland kind of caught Israel Desanya off balance, he's not really wobbling anybody at any given time. You know, like he he's maybe out cardioing you, you know, that's kind of what he did to, uh, to his, in his last main event is, is just putting the pace on someone. But like, I, I don't know necessarily that he can do that with Duplices. I think Duplices, you know, hits hard enough is going to deter some of that strikes. Wouldn't be surprised if he mixed in a takedown there too. He's got good grappling skills. You know, I've seen him in a, a quintet and, and he looked really good. He's actually subbed all four of the guys on the other team and that. So like, I think he's got the ability really to handle Strickland here. I think it's going to be the first of two, because obviously in the other title fight, we're going to have to see a new champion, but I think it's going to be our first of and new uh, champions here. Yep. I'm totally with you. I think he's the better all around fighter. Um, and uh, I just, I like getting the dog money on him as well. Um, could I see Strickland taking a decision here out pointing? Yes, I could. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not like so, obvious but to get the dog money on him i like him better as a fighter i'm gonna take that and strickland just feels to me like someone who's gonna go down in history as a never defended champion it just seems uh that's my gut feeling on him all right uh let's get to the other title fight a little more underwhelming in my humble opinion uh you have myra buena silva a minus 170 favorite and raquel pennington is a plus 145 dog for the vacant women's bantamweight championship uh, let's talk about Pennington. The veteran is on a five fight win streak, uh, just took a split decision win over Caitlin Vieta to earn this title shot. She beat Aspen Ladd, uh, Macy Chase on, uh, you'd have to go back to Holly home back in January of 2020 for her last loss. So a nice five fight win streak for her. Myra Buena Silva is coming off a no contest to the aforementioned Holly home. It was originally a submission win for her, but it was overturned after she tested positive for Ritalinic acid, which I believe the, the kids call street drug Ritalin. Am I wrong in saying that? I, I believe you're correct. Yeah, she has so, ADHD. <laughs> yeah, that is just ridiculous that that got overturned for that. But she was on a three-fight win streak before that. So let's really call it a four-fight win streak with the Holly Holm win. A win is a win. Um, and she finds herself the favorite here and almost a two-to-one favorite. Who you got? I'm going to go with Margaret Boyd Silva. Look, I, I think the story would be amazing on Raquel Pennington. She would actually be the third fighter in history to spend 10 years in the UFC, uh, or rather 10 years after her debut, win her very first title. Uh, Wait, just... can I guess who are the other two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could guess so, the other two. <laughs> uh, Bisping is no, one. No, Bisping's only nine. <laughs> oh, he was nine years and then won it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she would man. actually have debuted further from her UFC title win uh, than Michael Bisping did. Hmm. All right, I'm not cheating. I'm going to think on it. Keep keep talking. All right, so anyway, I like my Buena Silva in this fight, mostly just because, you know, like when you look at that fight with Holly Holm, yes, that first round, a little bit back and forth. But at the end of the day, her back and forth nature in that first round, she's the one who is landing bigger shots, in my opinion, in really the only thing that was messing with her range. Because she was finding the range on Holly Holm, which is notoriously not very easy to do. 
So she was finding that range and she was just navigating the kicks. And the thing about Raquel Pennington, the kicks aren't really there. If she does go to the kicks, I can see takedowns opening up for Myra Buena Silva. I just think she's faster, sharper. I don't think Raquel Pennington can lean against her all that long in the cage without getting in submission trouble. So yeah, give me uh, give me Myra Buena Silva here. All right, here's my answer. Uh, and I'm taking her as well. Um, I just, I, I like her against Pennington. I like the matchup for her. Nothing really compels me to say, oh, Pennington's going to out-blank her in yeah. one of these areas. There's nowhere she's going to, you know, be outright better than her. So I like Silva. All right, here's my guess. And I think I, I'm wrong because it wasn't 10 consecutive years, but would Robbie Lawler be he, an answer? He is 10, yeah. So it was yeah. 10 after his debut. So Robbie Lawler's one of the two. And then the but other so, one... But, but, so, but just to be fair to your trivia question here, the person could have left and come back. Correct, yes. Okay, yeah, all right, got you. The other um, one did not, though. The other one? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, ah, God, I'm just going to guess because of the age, but I don't think he'll qualify for 10 full years in the UFC. Uh, was it Glover as the other one? No, the answer is Charles Oliveira. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That is he, amazing. I mean, he's been around for, I mean, he got subbed by Jim Miller back in the day. I think people forget Jim Miller knee barred that man and uh, he still came back to win a title. So yeah, those two, 10 years, Michael Bisping, nine years after his debut, Raquel Pennington would also be 10 years. Okay. I love it. Um, Let's keep moving then. Mike Mallett is a minus 325 favorite. Neil Magny, a plus 260 dog. Um. Mallet uh, is a 4-0 fighter in the UFC. If you count his win on Dana White's Contender Series, which we do, he's 10-1 as a pro. Um, he's had an arm triangle choke, a TKO, two guillotine chokes, so all finishes. Starting to see why he's such a favorite here, but Neil Magny's no pushover. The veteran's been fighting in the UFC for 11 years. He's on that win-one-lose-one trajectory right now, coming off a decision loss to Ian Machado Gary, the unanimous decision that is. Um, but he's tough to finish. So interesting in that regard, who you got here. Yeah, you're talking about win one loss one for Neil Magny. And I think that's why we see him as such a big underdog here. But let's talk about the losses. Ian Gary, who people largely see as one of the biggest prospects in the division. Shavkat Rachmanov, who people do see as the biggest prospect in the division. And Gilbert Burns. Like, it's not like he's out here losing to bumps, right? And in the middle there, we're talking about wins over Daniel Rodriguez, Philip Rowe, Jeff Neal. Like, those are some legit wins. And not for anything, and I don't want to take this away from Mike Mallott, Mike Mallott has had a very easy run in the UFC. You know, he knocked out Mickey Gall, who I think we can all, you know, admit, really great grappler, absolutely trash striker. And then he fought a couple of guys who, you know, may maybe were on the lower end. You know, Johan Lainez is fighting in the – you know, I think first or second prelim on this fight card, and it's mostly a striker, took him down and subbed him. Adam Huguet, not in the UFC anymore. So we're talking about him facing probably the lowest of low competitions, and immediately they're bumping him up for this huge matchup against Jeff Neal, who's way taller than him, way longer than him, way more experienced than him, and has been fighting the top, top guys. So I, I know they're kind of throwing Mike Mallott to the, the end of the, the spectrum here because he's 32 years old and that's kind of old for a prospect. But I think it's too much too soon for Mike Mallott. I, I love the dog money here on uh, Neil Magny. I, I think that range is going to make it really hard for Mike Mallott to find any big finishes. And I think his wrestling doesn't hold up against Neil Magny's takedown defense. Let's move on and give our official dog of the week pick, though. And that's Garrett Armfield, a plus 160. Let's hear it. 
yeah, I love Garrett Armfield. Look, I, I think his wrestling game has been, you know, well-documented how good it is. He's got great arm triangles. He works excellent on top, good jujitsu positioning. And I know Brad Katona kind of was hyped up coming off of that second ultimate. That's right. He's won the ultimate fighter twice. Second ultimate fighter victory. Uh, but, you know, like that season was filled with guys who had kind of washed out of the UFC. And with the exception of Timur Valiev, who really, I thought Timur Valiev had at least beat him and, and possibly maybe just should have gone to an extra round or something in that that ultimate fighter fight he really didn't face that high level of competition i think garrett armfield is going to show him a thing or two when it comes to the wrestling and uh if he gets a couple of takedowns and katona has to work off his back i think it's going to be bad news for him so let's get plus 160 on that our parlay to play is malcolm gordon a minus 130 and charles jordan a minus 180 pair that together though and it gets you plus 175 odds on the parlay break that down yeah, so I love Malcolm Gordon in this spot. I think perhaps he's one of the more underrated people on this card because he's fighting Jimmy Flick, a guy who, uh, you know, no offense to Jimmy Flick, is pretty much just grappling and nothing else. Uh, his striking looks kind of shoddy. His wrestling hasn't looked all that great. Malcolm Gordon's a good wrestler and has been on the ground with, uh, you know, Muhammad Mokayev and actually got some better of the exchanges against him. So I really think negative 130 being crazy undervalued there. He could keep it on the feet and win a striking battle or, you know, sort of just work his top game and, and work away there. Charles Jourdain, uh, I know he's the much shorter fighter against Sean Woodson. I think he's going to be way faster. I think the fact that he's kind of got some submission skills and some wrestling skills up his sleeve makes him an even more intriguing favorite here. So I, I like the number at negative 180. We'll pair those two together and get plus 175. All right. That does it for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you did your right or did you dirty with these picks at Top Turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we're having a party here, so let's not let it stop. What should we do next? We'll be joined by another Canadian, Marc-Andre Barrio, who is going to be fighting Chris Curtis on the pay-per-view main card. And we're going to get that content for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Marc-Andre Barrio, who fights Chris Curtis at UFC 297. That fight is on. January 20th. So, Mark, before we get to talking about that fight, I did want to talk about, you know, you were briefly linked to a fight with Michael Pena back in October. You had to step out due to an injury. You know, you're, you're back only three months after that time. So I'm assuming it wasn't something, you know, completely debilitating. But can you share a little what's been keeping you out? What, what got you back in there so quickly? Yeah, so unfortunately, like uh, last October, like three weeks before the, the fight scheduled against uh, Michael Pereira, uh, I had to pull out because of an old rib injury. Um, I tried to push through during the fight camp, but it was it was hard for me to just keep going. And like physically, mentally, uh, I was not at my best. So I had to uh, to pull out of this fight, man. It was the first time of my career that I had to pull out of a fight. But yeah, look, like two two weeks after uh, the 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 I, I told the the UFC about my injury. Uh, they asked me, uh, you think you're going to be okay to fight uh, like in January? I said, yeah, no problem. So that's how uh, the, the, the big fights uh, come after that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. Cause that kind of was my next question. You did, you had a great 2023, you know, the, the Anders fight, you know, the, the Marquez fight, both of them, absolute bangers, huge wins. And I was going to ask, was it kind of frustrating to have, you know, sort of that big name dangled in front of you, Michelle Pajeda, lots of hype on him. And sort of kind of not get it? I mean, I know he, he's a big name. Like, he's a former, like, top 15 welterweight. Uh, but at that time when they offered me this fight, I was like, okay, uh, it's, it's, 
it's kind of a good and a, it was like a 50-50 like opportunity for me because this guy is he, he is very awkward and it's, it's hard to mimic like his style in the training room and you know especially with my style you know I know I, you guys know I like to push the, the pace and it's like uh, he like to jump step dance and it's so I said, okay, let, let, let's try. And then, yeah, uh, I was like, I was sad that I had to pull out of this fight. But I feel like right now I have a way better opportunity in front of me. Absolutely. And we'll get to talking about that in a second. But I did want to also talk about, you know, obviously the fight of the night with, with Anders at UFC 289. Uh, you know, you get the fight of the night bonus. I know that extra check always feels good. Uh, yeah. You know, coming out of that fight, did you expect to get the fight of the night? Did you have big plans for the money when you did get it? Uh, I mean, at first, uh, every time I, I hope for the bonus, uh, I never get them. So after the fight, uh, me and my, my, my team went to a restaurant and we just had fun and just like, uh, yeah, enjoying yourself. And I was like very happy about my, my win and my performance. And suddenly I check online and I saw like I uh, won the, the fight of the night. So I was like, wow, this is this is very good. This is this is going to be like a game changer for me. And since then, uh, I made a couple of good, good moves. Uh, in Florida, so like three three years ago, I, I I came here with my travel trailer and my 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 pickup truck. So I had nothing else, just me, my wife, my dog, and my trailer. And now I just bought a two mobile home, and I, I'm I'm starting to to have the the the, the ball rolling. So I, it feels great. That's awesome to hear. I I love hearing good that stories come to good guys like that. Now we're gonna talk about this fight with Chris Curtis, but before we do. I'm a guy who loves hearing the story of where MMA fighters got their nickname. And, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of bulldogs. There's a bunch of hitmen. There's the pit bulls. You know, there, there's 17 guys with each of those nicknames. But there's only one power bar. There's only one yeah. power bar in the UFC or in any regional promotion. I've only ever seen one power bar. So tell me, where's the nickname power bar come from? Uh, so the nickname started, like, at my first fight. You know, but back then in high school, uh, like all my friends and the people used to call me Bar because of my last name, Barrio, B-A-R. So, so, yeah, so all my high school people call me Bar. And so after my first amateur fight, uh, you know, I was not very technical. I was more like an instinctive fighter. So just all my power and my will and just, yeah, I was like always forward, forward. And since then, uh, the, the, this name just kept following me and I feel like it's the perfect fit because this is who I am. I'm not the most talented guy, but you know, uh, people, people know that when I'm here, I'm, I'm here to fight and fight hard. I love it. I love it. Now you, you mentioned, you know, the earlier fights and I know early in your career, a lot of fights back in Canada. So I got to ask, obviously getting a chance to go back to Canada, getting a chance to fight on your home soil again, what does it mean to you to, to get it one more chance to do that? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's very nice because I did my, my UFC debut in Ottawa. Uh, didn't go uh, my way. I did a fight in Edmonton. Uh, didn't go my way. So last, last time in Vancouver, it felt great to be back in Canada uh, in front of a crowd, big pay-per-view. So I feel like the more... The more the, the show is big, the more like uh, I, I, I perform. So, yeah, uh, this time uh, it's the same. You know, big card, first pay-per-view of the year, uh, Toronto. 
especially with uh, you know all the history uh, fight with the GSP back then, and I feel great about uh, this opportunity. So I'm very excited and looking forward. And you mentioned GSP in there, and I, I know you've been fighting for a minute, so it's not like, you know, you were necessarily inspired by GSP to start fighting, but what, was that a big piece of your upbringing? Like, with, you know, being a Canadian guy, being interested in martial arts, was was GSP kind of, you know, somebody who inspired you back then? Yeah, absolutely. Not not, not just for the, the, the for his GOAT status or the, 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 the championship level, but for the human being he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's always been a uh, humble guy uh, from from Quebec, uh, French Canadian, you know, just like me. So I feel like, you know, I'm kind of the same guy too, just simple guy who likes to, you know, uh, be the best version of myself and just, you know, uh, fight hard. And yeah, so, you know, GSP for sure uh, was a big, uh, you know, he was a big inspiring for me. So I feel I feel great about it. Yeah. Awesome. Now, you know, you mentioned, you know, being the best version of yourself and the best version of yourself is coming UFC 297 against Chris Curtis. Now, I'm, I'm curious what you think of this matchup, because on one hand, Chris Curtis has been in some really exciting fights. And Chris Curtis has also been in some fights where he's done almost the opposite of what you're talking about, where you like to bite down and you like to come forward and you like to mix it up. He, you know, his, you know, if you take his fight with Rodolfo Vieira, that is a very passive fight, a very technical stay on the outside, stay away from big action kind of fight. So when they offered you the name Chris Curtis, you know, on one hand, you might see some of the bangers. On the other hand, you might see some fights like that. What, what were your first thoughts when you heard that name? Um, my first thought was like, oh, yeah, I want mm-hmm. this fight. I feel like that's my ticket for the top 15, you know, uh, because all of the guys in the top 15, you know, are very good grappler, very good wrestler, very good striker or, but this guy, I feel like, you know, he, he's a veteran, you know, he's, he's been there for a long time, uh, fought the best. Um, like you said, sometimes you can expect a Chris Curtis going forward and try to stand and bang, uh, or sometimes just like technical or just, you know, cruise to the, 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 the decision. So for my part, my style, uh, you know, I like to force the action. He's the action man. I'm the power bar. <laughs> so I think th- that's going to be the perfect recipe for the firework, you know, uh, and especially in Canada, in front of my, 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 my country. Uh, I feel that's going to be a banger for sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing to, you know, be smart, technical if I have to. But if I have to bite down and just like go forward and yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm ready. Oh, we're excited for that kind of fight. Now, before I do ask you for the prediction, because I love ending with a prediction, I got to ask, you mentioned the top 15 in there, and you are three and one in your last four. You know, like I said, 2023, huge year for you. Two big wins over two big names in very exciting fashion. You know, should you win this fight with Chris Curtis, come out on top, give an exciting performance? Do you got names on your tongue? Are you the type of guy who's going to call out somebody in the top 15? How, how do we handle this? Yeah, it's hard for me in my in my position because I have some guys in front of me who beat me before, you know, um, like Anthony Hernandez or even Junyun Park. You know, uh, I I fought I fought him like three years ago. Mm. But uh, if I have one one fight that I would like to like uh, have a rematch is against against Junyun Park. You know, this guy won four fights in a row. He just lost his last fight. So I don't know, maybe one more fight before the top fifteen or. Uh, you know, the ranking doesn't really matter for me right now. I just want to go, like, fight by fight. 
uh, you know, make the most of it and just, you know, be proud of myself. And like I said, be the best version of myself and uh, keep inspiring people. I dig that. Now, your next chance to do that, obviously, UFC 297, January 20th. So give me the prediction. How's this one get done on that day? So, yeah, no, I, I see myself, uh, you know, fighting hard, fight, fighting smart. But, you know, it takes two to tango. So I know that Chris going to be there for a fight. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go smart or he's going to go hard. But I, I can see myself uh, pick up the pace maybe in the, the later round and probably uh, go with the decision again uh, against uh, this guy because he's tough. Uh, you know, he's been there uh, for a long time. So, yeah, hopefully I can just play the good punch and end the fight. But I, I, I don't like to count on that, that lucky shot. I, I want to walk my way through the uh, dominant performance and have my end race at the end. Yeah. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Mark andre Barrio, who fights Chris Curtis at UFC 297. Once again, that fight, January 20th. Mark, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Dane Gibby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.